My name is Daniel Miller. I'm your servant host, and this is the Discipleship Conditioning Podcast. is discipleship conditioning. We're going to talk a lot about faith today. And as Matthew 21 lays out, as many chapters in the Bible lay out, particularly the Gospels, faith is a central focus and the level of faith. And as we get into this, I will certainly apply this to my life in a challenging way. In this chapter, as so often happens when you walk into a church and it just so happens that the sermon seems directed at you, or you open your Bible and you read a random chapter and the message seems specifically outlined for you. This one's hitting me pretty hard, and I hope it hits you pretty hard too. Let's begin in Matthew 21, verse 3. If anyone says anything to you, you shall say, The Lord needs them, and he will send them at once. This is in reference to the Lord getting a donkey and a colt and utilizing it to travel into the city. And think for a moment how we humans think about possessions, Um, maybe mainly focused on money. But as we think about possessions, if you were raised in a similar way that I was, it was a very stingy upbringing. It was funny, as a kid with toys, I was told to share my toys with my sister. But when it came to that practice as an adult, uh, you don't share your truck with anybody. Um, and you don't dare ask anybody for a tool they may have. You go out and buy the tool yourself. If you need it bad enough, you invest in it, and then you'll have that tool forever. And there was a level of of mistrust with people that if you went that expensive tool, or even if it really wasn't all that expensive, uh, you were never going to get it back. And if you did get it back, you were going to get it damaged because they didn't respect it the way that you were. And of the few life lessons I learned from my father specifically, that was one I took his word for, and I didn't really uh, try it out too much to see if my stuff was damaged. The last few years, I've tried to let go on those possessions quite a bit. And, you know, it's funny in a challenging way. I have a neighbor across the street who I've lent a um, a log splitter to. And they have a wood stove and they go through about seven cords of wood each winter, uh, relying mainly on that rather than electric heat or gas heat. And uh, there's nothing been said since then. I haven't seen the log splitter since I lent it to him. My previous self, I think, would go down the rabbit hole of, well, I'll never see that again. Or, oh gosh, I don't even want to see it again because it's probably broken to pieces. And my mind would go in all sorts of directions. Like, that's probably why nothing's being said because it's damaged and they feel bad for damaging it. But it's a tool. It's, 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 meant for that person more than it's meant for me in that period of time. 
I have a dear friend who has a flatbed truck that I could utilize for a whole bunch of things. Four months ago, I sold my truck that I'd had for probably four years or so. I sold the trailer that I'd had for a couple of years to enter a new season of our lives because that amount of money that those funds could be utilized for things like this, things like the podcast and other endeavors that we're focusing on. Certainly missed my truck. And my first inclination going back to my upbringing is to go rent a truck or something like that. And I have a dear friend who knows that I've sold the truck and he said, you know, anytime you need it, you just come and get it. And that is, that's so foreign to me. I would imagine for most of you listening, that's foreign to you as well. If it's not, kudos. People like me need to be more like people like you. And we're working on it. And here in Matthew 21, 3, there's no mention around this verse of go see if you can get this item or um, work on it or let's save up for it so we can purchase on it. No, it's go get the item. It's for our use. It almost almost seems like theft in a way. It's, it's blatantly not, but it almost it's it's like take take what's yours and bring it to yourself. Now, that's tough to relate to human beings, including myself, because that statement takes what's yours sounds like theft, and it sounds like something that uh, is is more on the unethical side than the ethical side. If I were to think about the context here, I would think that the individual who owns the colt and the donkey probably was given a vision, maybe even the night before, that this was going to occur because we're dealing with Jesus, we're dealing with God here, as opposed to just you or I. But how many times in our life when we've needed something, has it been provided? And we throw around the word needed like it's just the word of the day, right? But truly needed, like true faith, as we're going to get into as we move along here. So let's do that. Let's go to Matthew 21, 9. And the crowds that went before him and that followed him were shouting, Hosanna to the son of David. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest. They look into Hosanna. I've heard that my whole life, but I never realized what Hosanna meant. Means in Hebrew, oh, save, which is what Jesus did for us, right? He saved us. I'd like to focus for a moment, too, on wrapping our minds around that. Do we truly understand what Jesus went through to save us? I don't know that I do. Admittedly so. You know, in the midst of my business, I'm in, a, I'm in kind of the dumps a little bit, working through some things. And I almost intuitively know it's because my faith is lacking. And part of my faith lacking is truly not understanding what Jesus has done for us. So as I've done in the past, when I haven't understood a section of scripture, I ask for you and I ask for your input. I echo that here. Next, we talk about Matthew 21, 15 through 16. But when the chief priests... And the scribes saw the wonderful things that he did 
and the children crying out in the temple, Hosanna to the son of David, they were indignant. And they said to him, Do you hear what these are saying? And Jesus said to them, Yes. Have you ever heard, have you ever read, out of the mouth of infants and nursing babies, have you prepared praise? I'm always blown away at how many times there are references back uh, in Scripture from the Old Testament, showing over and over again how Jesus has fulfilled what has been prophesied previously. If you look at this, cited from Psalms 8 2. Psalms, there's a lot of them, right? So it's, it's common here for that to be a reference point going back to the Old Testament. But nonetheless, I almost always write down the verse that pertains to something in the Old Testament. It's one of the things I really like about the NASB. This is not an NASB. This is an ESV Bible that I'm reading out of. But the NASB will put in all caps everything that comes from the Old Testament which obviously makes it stand out and is helpful in your reading. In Matthew 18, excuse me, Matthew 21, verses 18 through 19, it reads, In the morning, as he was returning to the city, he became hungry. And seeing a fig tree by the wayside, he went to it and found nothing on it but only leaves. And he said to it, May no fruit ever come from you again. And the fig tree withered at once. Along with the verse to follow pertaining to faith and level of faith, this verse stands out to me in a big way. Again, it speaks to the need. Jesus was hungry, so he went to a tree that's supposed to provide nourishment. We could certainly go down the rabbit hole of nutrition and things of that nature, which we've discussed in podcast episode, but we won't because we've talked about it in podcast episodes previous to this. What I'm focusing on here is more the demand, like the donkey and the colt, right? There's a need, there's a demand for it. Again, a genuine need. Our generation would put that in all caps, right? A genuine need. And in this case, the need is not provided for. And because Jesus is God, he commands the tree to wither away and be of no use because it isn't providing fruit, right? Which is so symbolic to our faith. Uh, Our faith, I should say, not our fate. Although, happy accident that I said fate. But with our faith, are we bearing fruit? I don't mean just being down in the dumps or having a bad couple days. I mean genuinely producing fruit. In this world of social media, are we in it for viewership? Are we in it for how many likes we can get? And even outside of the discussion that I would have on the neuroscience of it and the dopamine and the addiction associated with it, even outside of that, from a heart issue, are we in it to get approval, to get likes, to gain popularity? In which case, many of us didn't really enjoy high school because it was a popularity contest. So why are we repeating the same mistake when it comes to social media? Again, it goes to back to a need here. If you need it, it will be provided to you. And in this instance where Jesus is God, 
he says, bear no more fruit because you did not provide a need. Happens to us, right? I accidentally said fate, but it's applicable here. Our fate will be the same of the fig tree if we spend our entire lives producing no fruit. As it says in previous chapters, we will say we prophesied in your name. We healed in your name. And he will say, I never knew you. In Matthew 21, verses 21 and 22, it reads, And Jesus answered them, Truly I say to you, if you have faith and do not doubt, you will not only do what has been done to the fig tree, but even if you say to this mountain, Be taken up and thrown into the sea, it will happen. And whatever you ask in prayer, you will receive if you have faith. I've never withered a fig tree. I've never thrown a mountain into the sea. And if I continue with my early training, my nurturing on this planet, I would take the pessimistic view and be skeptical of something like this and say that I've never seen anybody do that. It's not a possibility. But in my optimistic view, through what Jesus has given to me, and that is a complete new life, and let us, none of us, lose sight of that because there's something in your life that Jesus has done for you that's turned your life around. And if you don't feel that way yet, it's coming provided you afford the opportunity. So when I read this with the new life that I have, an easy way to sum that up is I used to be named Dan. He died. My name's Daniel. In this new life that I've been gifted, from an optimistic point of view, what an amazing thing. Have I seen anybody wither a fig tree? No, not unless they used pesticides, and I haven't even seen that specific example, but I imagine it could happen based on what I've seen on earth. Have I seen anybody throw a mountain into the sea? No, I suppose I could think of uh, there's construction that they're doing over in the Middle East right now, building this giant wall, and they're literally moving mountains with machinery. I could make it logical to go down that rabbit hole, but that's not what I'm thinking, and that's not what I'm reading. What I'm reading, literally, is the opportunity that we have. And because I haven't seen this before, how far away are any of us from the faith that's necessary, the faith that Jesus had in the Father, the faith that Jesus showed his disciples time after time. How far away do you think we are from that? Further on in Matthew 21, verses 28 through 31, it reads, What do you think? A man had two sons, and he went to the first and said, Son, go and work in the vineyard today. And he answered, I will not. But afterwards, changed his mind and went. And he went to the other son and said the same. 
And he answered, I go, sir, but did not go. Which of the two did the will of his father? They said, The first. Jesus said to them, Truly I say to you, the tax collectors and the prostitutes go into the kingdom of God before you. I've mentioned before that parables used to be quite the annoyance to me. I never felt felt like I understood them. And most of that experience that I'm quoting is when my name was Dan. So it makes sense why I didn't understand. I'm thankful that as I grow, more and more of this is making sense. More and more of this does speak to what I'm learning about God. In fact, I would go so far to say that I'm loving the parallels at this point in life, which is in stark contrast to the way that I used to feel. To me, this is a pretty straightforward story, and I appreciate that the first son said no, but then went and did. Because in our lives, how many of us said no, but now we're doing? I would venture to say most of us listening to this podcast. And to use such a bold term like prostitutes, which has just as negative a connotation today as I assume it did then. I think tax collectors had a more negative connotation then than it does now. However, we're seeing a lot of people in this day and age rise up and identify taxation as theft. So maybe I'm wrong. Maybe there is an equivalent negative connotation with tax collectors, but nevertheless, two populations that we would apply to a very negative side of things will enter the kingdom of God before you. Now, this is in relation to the Pharisees that continue to challenge him, and the Sadducees will challenge him later. And they were considered to be kind of the top priests, the most noble people, the the in-the-know people in terms of religion, specifically the Torah and the Old Testament. We're getting pretty bold here in some of the things that Jesus is speaking to people that were considered to be kind of the bee's knees. They were the highest of the high in this area, which speaks to Jesus being truly the highest of the high. His ways are not our ways. So it's interesting for him to boldly tell them, you know you think that you're in a certain position, but you're not. In fact, the tax collectors and the prostitutes will enter the kingdom of God before you. In Matthew 21, verses 43 and 44, it reads, Therefore I tell you, The kingdom of God will be taken away from you and given to a people producing its fruits. And the one who falls on this stone will be broken into pieces, and when it falls on anyone, it will crush him. Just prior to this, Jesus is talking about the stone that the builders rejected has become the cornerstone. Again, he's relating to the Pharisees 
And actually later on, it says that the Pharisees became aware or at least thought that he was talking about them, which he was. Again, he tells them that not only will the kingdom be taken away from you, at the very least, these other individuals who are producing its fruits will enter before you, and in worst a situation, they will be put in place of you, and you won't receive the kingdom of heaven. But on top of that, he's relating to the previous verse, the cornerstone. If you don't have a cornerstone, you don't have a building. You don't have a house. Jesus is the cornerstone. Jesus, who is about to, in future chapters here, be persecuted beyond belief, beyond what any of us in our homes and apartments with cushy couches and big screen TVs could ever possibly imagine. Only a few people in all of history have truly experienced any sort of persecution that is 10% of what Jesus is going to experience in these coming chapters as the book of Matthew concludes. And as we move along here, the Pharisees particularly look at him as someone who is speaking blasphemy and take the most holiest individual, the holiest individual on earth that ever has been God and persecute him beyond, beyond belief. And as we see here in so many instances is told by him who he was but it's not enough for them perhaps it's their pride perhaps it's the cushy lifestyle that they're living which brings us to today in the cushy lifestyle that you or I are living chapters ago there was an example of a young man who wanted to enter the kingdom of heaven and had felt that he had done everything necessary and Jesus told him to give all his possessions away to the poor he didn't like that very much so it appears he walked away now who knows what happened with the rest of that individual's life but at least at that point in time he walked away I often look at the possessions that other people have with envy and jealousy. I very recently had that experience. I was talking with a dear friend about it, who I'd referenced earlier in this podcast, stating that I was frankly jealous of the house that they had and referred to my house as a shack. But my house is a gift. And by stating those words, I'm smearing the gift that has been given. Why? Because I like somebody else's gift better. But honestly, if I had that, that was my gift. What are the odds that I would like somebody else's gift even better? 
And if you're with me on this, you can see why it's been a rough little go for me. You can see the authenticity. I don't like to only record when things are at their best. And it's fitting as the chapters go on and the story becomes more tragic that my demeanor would be as it is. But throughout that, as I said in the beginning, have you ever showed up for church and the sermon seems to be crafted for you? Have you ever opened the Bible and the message seems to be crafted for you? Am I more Pharisee-like or am I more Jesus-like? And even though wholeheartedly I believe I am saved, doesn't mean that a saved individual can have moments of being like a Pharisee, can have moments of weakness, can have moments where we're not on our best behavior. But a big thing that differentiates the saved and the knowledgeable, I believe, is not operating in a narcissistic fashion. Always striving to get better, analyzing your situation, acknowledging your faults, maybe sometimes too much so, acknowledging where you've been, where you are, and where you hope to go rather than think the problems with everybody else. And so that's where I stand today, saddened by the story and how I know the story is going to unfold. Saddened by where I'm at in life. Frankly, I didn't think I'd be where I'm at at this point in time in my life. But as I read and reread scripture, I recognize that I'm not doing a good job of recognizing the gifts that have been given and my motivators, to say the least, are off and they need polished. So throughout this Bible study of Matthew 21, I've presented some questions. Those questions may provoke you, they may be applicable, they may not. But every one of them hits me at some place. And my purpose is never to call you out. That happens to be a byproduct. Maybe there was a purpose. But speaking is just a dude who loves Jesus. These are the verses that are hitting me. These are the questions that I'm asking myself. So I ask you, what verses are hitting you? And what questions are you asking yourself? Thank you for your time. I genuinely love you. And until next time, God bless. We want to sincerely thank you for listening to today's episode and conclude properly with the Lord's Prayer. 
Pray then like this, Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts, as we also have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Amen. Brother, thank you for listening to today's episode. We hope that this show is bringing you joy, it's bringing you peace, it's increasing your proximity to God, and it's helping you add on serious muscle mass. That's what God's provided us the gift to do. It's to understand how the human body works, to put as much muscle on it as possible, which we understand is a unique challenge, not present to everyone, but it's a challenge that's present to you and I. And so we hope that today's episode and all episodes are encouraging you and helping you in that endeavor. Now, if you're like me and you're listening to this part of the episode, you probably are the type that has to listen to the entire episode or it doesn't count. Or maybe you're just stuck in traffic and you can't turn the podcast episode off at this point in time. Or maybe you are like me and when you read a book, you have to read the entire book, including the copyright information. I know it's a silly, silly endeavor, but we are the way that we are and God made us perfectly. We are the only creation of his that is made in his image. And with that in mind, I'd like to encourage you further and provide you a couple resources that will be of immense benefit for you. The first is a one repetition maximum calculator. This calculator is made through a spreadsheet and it's laid out very well for you to estimate how strong that you have got over a specific period of time. There is a video on this landing page as well that'll instruct you how to use it. But if you need further instruction, please go to our homepage at biblicalanatomyacademy.com and schedule a coffee session with me where we can talk about the uh, one repetition maximum calculator. To get the one repetition maximum calculator, you'll want to go to biblicalanatomyacademy.com slash one RM. You'll enter in your name and email and you'll get access immediately to the spreadsheet that we have created. Also of value would be a template to get you started as you begin to design new programs to break through plateaus as we instruct. This program that we have, this template, utilizes all the percentages that we preach and we believe is the best tool for you to break through those plateaus. You can access it at biblicalanatomyacademy.com template. You enter your name and email and you'll get an immediate download for the spreadsheet that we have created that allows you to put any of your exercises in any of those one repetition maximums in and use the document for success long-term. Again, if you need assistance with either of those spreadsheets, the one repetition maximum calculator or the template we have created at Biblical Anatomy Academy, please go to our homepage at biblicalanatomyacademy.com, scroll down and click the green button for coffee. And we'd be happy to meet with you over a cup of coffee or water or pre-workout or a protein shake whatever suits you best so we can instruct you moving forward in life, in fitness, and in love. We thank you for being here. We thank you for listening all the way to the conclusion. 
Uh, we hope that you listen to a further episode and enjoy, and we hope to have future correspondence with you. God bless, and we love you. <laughs>